1: empower radio presents the miracle of healing with lisa campion meet healers learn different modalities and hear empowering stories of people on their healing journey the miracle of healing on empower radio here's your host lisa campion
0: Hi everybody, I'm Lisa Campion and this is The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio where we come together to discuss all kinds of healing. And that's something that we need now more than ever. Isn't that right? So if you're new to my show, I'm so happy to have you here. And if you're you're coming back for more, welcome back. Are you ready to trust your truth? Can we do that? And what does that even mean? So we have today here um, an incredible healer, life coach, Meditation teacher Shannon Algio, and I'm super, I'm super happy to have him here. I really loved his book, which is called Trust Your Truth, and he's going to help us learn how to move beyond self-doubt and live the badass life that you are meant to live. And working through the chakras is a guide to help us align with our deepest truth, so we can be the best we're, most, we're meant to be and have a bigger impact in the world. So, um, welcome so much to the show today, Shannon.
1: Lisa, thank you so much for having me, and I've been looking to uh, looking forward to this. So I'm so grateful to be in conversation with you and to um, share about trusting your truth with you and and the listeners. Thank you.
0: Yeah, it's such an important topic, and I'm really glad that you um, you wrote about it. And that I really loved your book. I I felt like you were writing from such a a, a human place. You know that you have like a really um, deep sort of sharing your own humanity, which I found really inspiring really endearing really it's really relatable and and also um you know you're laying down some deep wisdom here about how important it is for us to to trust our truth there're two really big things there trust and truth that we don't always even know what those things are so um let's start with that a little bit and maybe you can help us understand what 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 do those things mean and why are they so important
1: yeah you know the It was really important for me to share my humanity and my spiritual growth journey, the highs and the lows in the book, because I really wanted the reader to know that we're walking this path together. Mm-hmm. And that I am not some kind of elitist, like enlightened spiritual being, but I'm a human being. And we all get to figure out our own path home to our yeah. truth and to our truths. Um, and so, yeah, like really for me, where I started when I was writing with the book was like, what are all of the reasons that we are taught to not trust ourselves and to not listen to that voice that I know you talk about so much in your work, that mm-hmm. voice within Mm-hmm. That knows, that e- eternal knowing, um, that remembrance that we come home to in our meditation practice or yoga practice or nature walk or journaling exercise. We come home to this truth and, and we know it. And yet we live in a society and culture that um, not only encourages us to not listen to that voice so many times, but um, but benefits from us not listening to that voice. and. Yeah. Well, yeah. So what does it mean? What does it mean for us to step into an empowered state of trusting embodied wisdom that the mind might not always necessarily uh, logically understand what that felt sense of wisdom is within ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we learn to be in relationship with that, we, we really tap into that deeper power. Um, so that's what I wanted to kind of dig into in the book is, is that empowered state of, of knowing.
0: I I think it's even in a way worse than you said. I think that we live in a society that encourages to to live in this image of ourselves. Um I, I I wanted to say to live a lie, but that's not exactly right. It's like, you know, what what we post on Instagram or what we, you know, this we're so conditioned now, especially younger people, I think to to live in this I don't know, formulated idea of who we are that's not really our truth right
1: yeah and and, and that's the like the fitting in model you know Brene right. brown talks about the difference between belonging and fitting in um and she i'm paraphrasing but she says that fitting in requires that we change who we are to mm. fit into the to the group to the collective that we're a part of um belonging requires that we be who we are mm. Even yeah. though we won't necessarily know the reaction, maybe we won't be accepted for who we are. And, and that's, that's risky. Um, so yeah, what is it? What does it take for us to belong to ourselves, no matter how people outside of us are going to respond to that? Right. And yeah, there there are all of these things like like social media and just like societal expectations, which might change from community to community, depending on uh, where you've grown up and and who you've grown up with. But in a sense, we learn, we create ego structures and we learn how to fit in, how to do what we're supposed to do. And then at some point for each of us, I think we're designed spiritually to break away from those molds and discover our, our authentic blueprint for who am I in this body in this life? And how am I called to be a unique expression of my soul that may actually rub up against the societal expectations, which isn't really a bad thing when those expectations can be so toxic. And like you said, is like, like very harmful mm-hmm. um, and worse than maybe we even realize.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it how you write too that that it's like we, we have to listen to that inner voice and we're it's hard to do it sort of puts us out of our comfort zone, you know, and many of us don't listen to the small voice and then we get a little bit of a bigger tap. And then we get the. Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. And if we don't get that, then we get the what you call the cosmic two by four, which totally cracked me up because I always called it the same thing. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your cosmic two by four moment you shared beautifully in your book, a few of them, but what. What what happened there for you?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I've had a series of cosmic two by fours. <laughs> and and I and I talk about that in the book is we can become so skilled at denying the voice of truth, denying mm-hmm. that felt sense of okay, like knock, knock, knock. Like you said, quit the job, leave the relationship. Mm-hmm. There's like this, there's just a, a knowing. Like I, I've had I've had so many moments specifically um, several years ago when I moved from New York to Los Angeles, moving from New York to Los Angeles was a big listening to my inner guidance. I kept getting the message that just New York city for me was becoming too much. It was too many people, too much stimulation. I was in a pattern there that I needed to change. And I wanted to explore a different way of living more space and, and so I listened to that nudge and I moved with my ex-boyfriend, my, my then-boyfriend at the time. And in that relationship, I got lots of nudges that this is not it. There's something really off here. Um, there's a lie in this relationship that's not being acknowledged. And, you know, I had, a, I had a felt sense in my body, and I talk about this in the book, that I was being cheated on in the relationship. And for many months, almost a whole year, I got this this pang and this ping in my body of like something's not right here. Um, I I knew it. And so my pattern was to go to my then boyfriend and say, is this happening? I want to know the truth. Please tell me the truth. And his pattern and his wounding and his trauma led him to lie to gaslight, to um, deflect it onto me. This is your problem. Why do you have these trust issues? And so instead of listening to myself, I bought into his narrative and I started to say, what's wrong with you, Shannon? What's your problem here? This is your thing to fix. What's, you know, you're broken. And so the more and more that I did that over the course of a year, the more and more I I felt my body and my energy system losing personal power, losing my authority over my life, losing my agency, to the point when he finally admitted what was really happening, my instant response was excitement and enthusiasm when I found out because I felt the life force start to come back into my body and I started to see clearly again. Um, And so that the, the... breakdown of that relationship really was the breakthrough of my realizing that my body has intuitive and, and felt real wisdom Mm -hmm. that if I do not listen to that wisdom, there will be a real life cost. Um, and at the same time, it takes so much courage to listen to something that you can't logically prove in the mind, but you just know in your body.
0: Yeah. I love that. And it's, um, you know, it's such a, I think a story that everyone can relate to. And, you know, uh, as a psychic myself, like I'm, I'm, I'm training my students to tune into their bodies because our, our, there, it's a very under, underappreciated and overlooked mm. psychic gift, you know, and I think it's one of the most powerful because your body never lies. Your body always knows what's going on. And if we get in there and we, we get grounded and we, we say in there, we we just get some really powerful information, especially when it comes to our survival. And um, and that takes me to the um, the chakra model that you use in your book, which I loved and I thought was a really great way to kind of go through the chakras and help us learn how to listen to the truth that each of the chakras are saying about the aspects of the our life that they that they uh, relate to. So um, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, you know, the, the chakra system changed my relationship to myself as a teacher mm-hmm. because it allowed me to organize the complexity of my energy system without being uh, you know, so absolute. Like I'm not one thing. Right. Lisa is not one thing. We are many energies that are yeah. working together, hopefully in harmony, if we learn how to tune our instrument. Right. And so. As a yoga teacher, which is how I really got my start um, on the spiritual path was as as a yoga practitioner and then a yoga teacher, which I've been doing for the last um, over a decade, which is wild to say out loud. (laughs) Um, And so when I started to understand how the chakras were working, it totally transformed myself as a teacher because I started sequencing the yoga classes. And then eventually, um, I started teaching more meditation, I started sequencing the meditation classes to speak to all these different energies. So if I'm not one thing, and I have seven chakras, I have I have the feet and the legs and the roots that ground me into myself and into the land that I'm on and the community that I'm a part of, then that's a bit of a different energy than the voice that's designed to bring vibration forth from the heart and from the body and to express truth through vibration. And so to be able to, um, connect to these different energies, um, allowed me to connect to myself in a more profound way. And also as a teacher, I started to be able to speak to different parts of my students in a way that felt more integrated and whole in the classroom. Um, and so when I was putting together the book and I was thinking about well, how do I, uh, Help someone facilitate a process where they can connect to their truth. It was important to uh, um, expand the definition of truth and relate to the different and sometimes even conflicting aspects of truth in right? the root, yeah. in the gut. You can have
0: so many different versions of that truth depending mm. on what chakra we're looking through.
1: Exactly, mm. exactly. And so, um, to be able to hold that complexity and to to paint with the, all the colors of the rainbow from the red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, you know, and really to be able to um, relate to ourselves as an instrument with many notes and many colors, yeah. um, I think is kind of what the world needs now is to remember that we aren't one fixed thing. We're complex beings. Right, And that is, to me, um, a really important truth to remember.
0: Yeah, I love that. And And like you said, the complexity of of who we are as people and the conflicts that that we can go under because not all your chakras are going to agree with each other. Or they have really, you know, powerful conflicting needs, desires, experiences that when we we find ourselves in that conflict can, um, in, in an inner conflict, just sort of creates outer conflict in our life. That's at least how I experience it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And and like, just as a, as a a potent example, there's like the sacral chakra and the sex organs and maybe a sexual desire might be in conflict with a heart desire. And so the conversation can then become like, how can I use my creative and sexual expression to work in harmony with the heart? Like how can actually we, I create choices in my life that can allow me to be both a sexual being and a heart centered being. Um, Yeah. And that can be an interesting conversation to be in so that we aren't denying a, a, an important part of ourselves as we make choices. Like, where am I making my choices from? Is a really good yeah, exactly. question.
0: And then we have that third chakra, sort of the seat of our integrity, right in the middle of those two, <laughs> which is kind of a good thing, I, I think. Um, but also, yeah. it has its own agenda too, you know. Um, and and so we talked a little bit about truth, and I love how you you know you each chakra has a tr- a different truth. Well, what, let's talk a little, for a minute about trust. Why is it so hard for us to trust ourselves? How have we learned to stop trusting ourselves?
1: Yeah, you know, this is something I've really been thinking about in my um my depth psychology graduate school program, it, because we talk about like um logical positivism, positivism, which is empirical, the empirical movement of give me the tangible proof, right. measure it, you know, if it can't be proven and it can't be measured, then it is not real, right. But I think like the more that we learn, the more that we, we realize that um, we can't hold everything fixed in our hands as a tangible object. There are there is the energy system. There are there's so much more that we are unaware of than we are aware of. And so as a single individual, I can't possibly know all possibilities, all truths, all um, all things at once. And so, so to, so how do I trust? What, what do I trust? How do I trust? Um, And I think this is where embodied practice is so powerful, like, Mm -hmm. like grounding, like feet on grass. It's raining here right now and in Delaware where I am. And so the grass is wet outside. So I'm just imagining what it would feel like to have my feet in the lush grass. That's, a physical experience, but it also the body has an energetic response to that physical experience. If you're in a yoga pose or a warrior pose, the poses are going to feel different and they're going to move energy in the body. So the pose is what we can see, name and know, but the energy that's moving through you, Lisa, and your warrior pose is going to be different than the energy moving through me, the thoughts that might be coming up, the triggers, the heat. And so and for me, trust is about being in relationship with ourselves where we're actually listening. Mm. That this is my experience right now.
0: Yeah. I think that's great. I think so many of us um, learn we dismiss that, you know, or, or when we do have one of those conflicts inside of us, like your head says something in your felt sense, says something, you know, different um, that we dismiss, you know, that. The felt sense often in favor of the mind, um, which is in a, in some ways the least perceptive of our, you know, especially if you're thinking about intuition. Our our your, our minds, our six chakras have some challenges perceiving because they're so, like they're so connected to the dross of our thoughts and our our mind, you know, and um, and I think that's why meditation is such a powerful tool to clear clear to still the mind enough so that we can feel um, what those levels of truth that you're talking about are. And so we come to the idea of meditation, which is something also that is a big part of your book and a big part of your own life and your practice. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I I love what you're saying right now, because it's like there's when we sit in a meditation practice and we are witnessing all the thoughts and, or even if we aren't meditating, and we just get up and we look at our phones and maybe the news is on and it's like, Oh, I got to do this. Oh, there's this work email. And there's all these conflicting polls. There's all these possible polls that could take us in a certain direction. And so trust is the process of understanding, like what decision do I need to make that's going to honor my highest good and the highest good of all and allow me to be in an authority relationship with how I distribute my energy and move forward through my day and my life. There's so many things we could do in a given moment. And so the meditation practice and journaling, and for me yoga practice or wa- going on a hike or a walk without my phone, these are discerning practices that allow me to witness the fluctuation of the thoughts, like you mentioned in the sixth chakra, and then make a decision. Like I, I, pose in the introduction to the book is um what would make me proud of myself right now mm. what's the thing that i could do that's going to increase the pranic energy of my body give me life force connect me to the remembrance of that discerning voice within that is connected to the deepest layer and level of truth and Yeah, we really do have to press the pause button on the busyness of life, especially as life is starting to open up again, um, post pandemic, Mm. we really need to connect back into um, who is making the choices and where are we making these choices from Uh, meditation for me is such a, a beautiful practice of just some days I can't still the mind, but I'm so much better off from just seeing the wildness that's happening <laughs> mm, yes. instead of enacting it.
0: I, I I feel you. I've been a lifelong meditator. You know, like my parents were hippies, and so they um they took me to transcendental meditation when I was ten. Mm. And um, because that's what you did in in 1974 when you were a hippie, <laughs> and uh and so I I have an unusual. Uh, relationship with meditation because it's I've literally been like a lifelong meditator. And I mm. find that all of that quieting, the quieting of the mind, the distilling co- the of, of the external world gives us the, um, gives me anyway, the, the possibility for those truths to come up. And sometimes they're hard. Sometimes they're shocking or they're like, I don't want to look at that. Or, Oh my God, no, that can't be what true. Like that can't be what I want. Or, um, we fight against like you were explaining in this story with your with your ex-partner um the truth you were feeling in your body like and that that goes against the spoken you know what somebody else is speaking but um but i find the more that i sit with myself the more i i cannot cover that inner truth
1: oh my gosh yes Yeah. yeah and that's that's the beauty of the practice of meditation. Is there's some days where I'm like, why am I doing this? Is this really gonna help? Is this really you know? Yeah. And then it's it, it helps be, it helps me to be in relationship with all of the many uh voices and desires, and then mm. choose the one. You know, there's that quote, like the grass is greener where you water it. Mm. And when we make choices based on thoughts, based on feelings, based on fears or desires, we get to actually like just take a step back to see ourselves and what's informing us internally. And then, yeah, sometimes we have to do something that's like, oh, I don't want to do that. (laughs) Or like, (laughs) you know, like, like it's that inconvenient truth.
0: Yeah. Um, But actually,
1: we have to do what's what's going to benefit us beyond just the immediate um, Mm. pleasure, pain, decision making.
0: Right. The discomfort of our our ego self at whatever that is. Right. I love how you weave into your book a lot of um, conversation around personal power versus sort of systemic and cultural power. And mm. it is so timely right now, I think with a lot of people are going through. And 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 how do we hold our power, our personal power in the midst of systemic power? And what's our relationship there? What's it supposed to be like, do you think?
1: Yeah, thank you for asking this question because this, I, I had to include the conversation around personal power and systemic power in the book because- I um, in in my work in um, learning about uh, racism and also my experience as a gay man um, and as someone who was bullied for being too effeminate of a boy growing up in, in a Catholic school in Maryland, I I've seen how harmful it can be. In self-help books and self-help, you know, wellness and healing spaces to point the finger at the individual and say, this is on you to fix your life. This is on you to find your personal power and to rise above, you know, everything that has worked against you. Hi. And while there is such truth to the ability of each of us to go deep inside of ourselves and access our personal power, despite the experiences that we've gone through in our lives, despite the, maybe the violence we've experienced, um, whether that's racism or sexual abuse or, um, you know, so many of the things that we can experience as trauma in our lives, there's also systemic issues like for, for a young girl who might be abused sexually, um, How dare I say to her, come on, this is on you to find your personal power when without acknowledging the system that disempowered that person. And for so many people of color, how dare I say this is on you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps when you're existing in a system where I see a police officer pull me over and I call my dad because he was a judge and knows the police officers in the area where I grew up. So he gets on the phone and I get sent away with not even a warning Mm. versus a person of color getting pulled over is going to be in an experience very likely of, is this the end for me? Right. And so the way that that has an impact on our, our ability to access power, worthiness um, and safety in our bodies must be acknowledged that we both have personal power but there's also a system of power that we're operating in that affects the individuals who are who are wanting to do the healing work that we're inviting people to do. So, I, I really wanted to speak to that because it has to be a both and conversation, or else we're missing an aspect of the whole path.
0: I'm so glad you did, and I I find um you know like you said there's it's not everybody can goes there. Not everybody. Wants to have that conversation or feels like it's okay to do that. So I'm super grateful also that you brought it up so beautifully in your book and just now too. So, Shannon, how, if people want to work with you, first of all, let's talk about your beautiful book. How can people find it?
1: Yeah. So it's Trust Your Truth. Heal self-doubt, awaken to your soul's purpose, and live your badass life. Mm. Um, and you can go to trustyourtruthbook.com. It's trustyourtruthbook.com. Um, there's also, for anyone who gets the audiobook, which is on Audible, or buys a copy of the book, or a lot of people seem to like to have both, which is amazing, um, there's also meditations that you can get for free that go with each chapter and each chakra. Um oh. So that's kind of fun. And yeah, that's trustyourtruthbook.com.
0: Wonderful. And let's take a look at your website too, in case people want to contact you. Are you working with people right now or are you um, just concentrating on grad school?
1: Yeah. So um, yeah, shannonalgeo.com is my website. i mostly focus on grad school right now because I am um, at the beginnings of clinical training where I'm going to be uh, uh, doing my psychotherapist training with supervision. Um, but I also do have a coaching practice. And so mm-hmm. if someone feels like they want to reach out or we would be a good fit to work together, I'm, I'm definitely open to exploring that. Um, and there's like contact information on my website about that. And there's also a meditation, uh, soul illumination meditation. If anyone wants, uh, more meditations, there's over a hundred meditations on there.
0: That's great. How cool. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for the conversation and for writing the beautiful book that you did. It's so timely and lovely. And um, I really, really recommend it um, for people. I found it just delightful and hopeful. It gave me a, gave me a sense of hope, actually, in a time mm. kind of at the end of a long stretch of, you know, difficulty that we've all been through. So thank you so much for being here with me today.
1: Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you for the work that you're doing and for your rich and meaningful questions. And and thank you for the books that you've been putting out into the world. And I I was really grateful. I am really grateful to be able to connect with you today. Thank you.
0: Oh, yeah, me too. So much fun. And thank all of you guys for tuning in today. However, you're doing that. If you're looking for me, you can find me at lisacampion.com. Stop by and visit. I'd love to see you. And I appreciate you so much for tuning into the conversation um, on the miracle of healing where we're saving the planet one person at a time. Right here on a power radio.
1: Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave